Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not. Thanks for listening today. And this is episode number 44. And we're excited to tell you, listeners, this is the first episode in a series we're going to do devoted to the study of the Enneagram. I am super excited about this. Now, I am not, neither of us are necessarily Enneagram trained experts, but we have both studied it quite a bit. So I'm excited to talk about it and tell you how it's affected me and my life and and just kind of let you know what it is if you haven't heard of it or if you've heard of it but you're not sure what it is or you just want to study more about it. That's kind of what we're going to be talking about. So the Enneagram is a useful tool for how we can better be a more healthy version of ourselves and serve the Lord in a better way with more freedom and acceptance of who we are with less comparison and more joy. And I'm still feeling like as I'm learning the Enneagram, I certainly don't have a full grasp of every aspect of it. But here's what I do know, that everything I learn about it helps me. When I learn more about my type and when I learn more about the type that my husband, my children, my friends, the people I love in my life, when I learn more about them, I understand them better. It really helps. And I hope that you listeners will feel the same way. Some of you may be experts yourselves with the Enneagram, but there may be some listeners who are maybe curious, but also kind of a little wary of what is all this Enneagram stuff. We want to just put your minds at ease. This is certainly not anything like a cult. We are doing, we are definitely still Bible believing. We um, trust in the Lord. This is not something that's replacing Christianity. Here's what it is. It's a tool to let the Lord work in our hearts in an effective way. So listen in. We're getting ready to start some Enneagram conversation. So Jill, tell us, how did you first hear about the Enneagram? What, maybe how many years ago, and what was your first reaction to the Enneagram? Well, I I think like maybe two or three years ago, probably three years ago, you know I'm a podcast junkie, so on some of the podcasts they just started talking about this Enneagram thing, and I was like, and I love psychology and I love personality stuff. So, but it was like these numbers, and I was like, that doesn't even, I don't even know what that is. But I started looking into it, and I'm telling you, it's been life-changing for me mm-hmm. in the way that I relate to my husband, in the way I relate to my children, in the way I relate at work, because it's just helped me figure out wh- why people do certain things, is th- what their motivations behind it are, and how to relate to that. How is this alike or different from other valuable and valid personality assessments that are out there. But we feel that the Enneagram is above and and beyond those. But how is it different than Myers-Briggs? Or how is Mm -hmm. it different from finding out if you're a golden retriever or a beaver? All those different, (laughs) you know, those different things that have been done in the past. Well, this is not like a BuzzFeed quiz. It's not like a what friends character are you it's not one of those kinds of things (laughs) this has been around for ancient times and the Myers-Briggs and the DISC and all those are very helpful tools and I that was probably the Myers-Briggs was probably the one I used the most before this of like knowing I was an ENFP and what that means and but 
that kind of describe more behaviors. This describes your motivations behind the behaviors and why you're thinking certain things and other people react differently to that. Not that we're all in this box. It's actually a very intricate personality typing. But there's some general motivations that nine types that people have. And you know, here's one reason that it might bear a second look. If you're one of the people listening thinking, I don't know about this, I'm not so sure. When we really begin to know ourselves well, we can truly be what God wants us to be even more. Uh, John Calvin said, without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. God made us. God sees us with delight and pride and expectation. He loves his children. And so one thing I think about this is that it is pleasing to our father when we are healthy. Just as an earthly father and mother wants their child to be healthy and they have such a a great satisfaction and joy when their child is healthy and feeling good and not just that they are physically strong, but that they are feeling emotionally stable and good. We just want that for our children. Well, our Heavenly Father all the much more loves us, so much more than an earthly parent can. And He, I feel like when we are healthy in our relationship with Him, our relationship with others, I think that that's a way to bring Him joy and to be the most able to bring, um, to bear spiritual fruit in our lives. So this is just one reason why we want to dig into this. So what we could do, one of the things we're going to do in our introduction episode today is describe the nine types of the Enneagram and then talk a little bit more about these things. And then in the further episodes, we will have actual people on our show with us who identify as these types and they can tell us more about what it's like to be that number. How did you hear about Enneagram? Why, I have this friend, Jill McCormick, <laughs> and she is so hip. And, and she drove me crazy about it. And we Like, all a, my friends listening are like, yes, she talks about it all the time, we get it, whatever. We, we actually gathered with some staff wives of First Baptist Church Owasso for a special day probably two and a half years ago, and I think we were in Jill's home, and we talked about what the Enneagram was. We had a little paper that we could read to explain and then we took a little paper test to just get us started and honestly the more that Jill and I have both studied about this we don't think that the paper test is actually your surefire way to find out what your number is yeah it's a good beginning step I suppose it's a good jumping off step but really when you take a test like this sometimes we answer questions in the way we want to be not necessarily the true thing (laughs) so the tests are not always super accurate you kind of have to study this to really know for instance my day that that I'm referring to I answered the questions the best I could I thought that I was answering them exactly how I was authentically you know seeing myself but my results were completely not helpful because I had three numbers that were almost the exact same result. Well, that's not, that's actually not helpful. So I, now that I've studied a lot more about it and I understand more about why I do the things I do and I've learned more, I feel like that at least gave me a good start. So that day I took the paper test and I kind of just 
was curious. That's where I was. And then I have been um, learning more through listening to podcasts, entering conversations. Um, the book that Jill and I recommend to anyone who's wanting to find a good starting place to read about it, I have this. It's called The Road Back to You, and it is by Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile, both of which have great podcasts. We can put the podcast for those two in the show notes for today. Yeah, I'm going to link a lot of resources on the show notes if you guys want to deep dive a little further into this if you're interested. So let's just go through in number order, one through nine, let's just say what the types are. How about that? We can okay. start with that first. So there are nine basic types. There's number, there's, you want to do, you want me to kind of describe them as we go or yeah, do you want to? let's do a kind of a short one or two sentence description and then we can maybe talk a little bit more about how they work, but. Okay, so the ones are the perfectionists. They're called the. They don't like that name, but they are kind of the perfectionists in a good way. Now, one of the other things about Enneagram that I'll say is that the thinking behind it is that the best part of you is also the worst part of you. Right. Instead of like saying you just have to cut this these things out of who you are, it's really saying you have to wrap your arms around all of who you are. Because sometimes our things that make us the best are also the things that make us the worst. So we just have to learn how to channel all that. Like so, as an example of that, someone who is excellent with organization, and that's a real strength in their life, that would be something that's the best thing about them. When that person might be in an unhealthy spot, they might be so um, obsessed with the organization that they become unfeeling and harsh and right. and just so black and white that they're hurting people by the way they talk to them. So it could be something that's seen as a weak part of their life. So here's what we're saying. Let's learn more about ourselves. Let's get more healthy and see the strengths and weaknesses in an honest light. So. Yes, perfect example. Okay, so perfectionists, um, they see things that need to be improved and they want to fix it. In, like if they walk into a room, they see things that need to be fixed. If somebody there's something wrong with somebody, they want to fix it. Um, they have a cons- constant internal critic that is loud and is always telling them how to fix things. So, um, But they, they can see what's wrong and out of place and then fix it. That's a good thing. It can become an unhealthy thing. They're good with details. They're good organizers. They're good... Um, they're just good people you want to have around, especially if, as we get to the number seven, which is me, who's <laughs> not so detailed, you need a, you need some of these people around you. So all of these fit together very well. Another thing about ones is that they want to improve the world. Mm-hmm. You can depend on the ones. You can rely on the ones in your life. And another thing about ones that may not be as easy for them to admit is that ones seek to avoid being blamed, or being at fault. So if any of these things are ringing your bell, you might be a one. Okay, so now let's talk about And their motivation is to be good. Their yeah. inner core motivation is to, to do what's right and correct and be good. So twos are what they're called the helpers, which is a lovely... We love our twos. We that's love a lovely thing. Twos. Mm-hmm. So when they walk into a room, they pick up on everybody in the room's feelings and who needs something and what can I do and where can I go and how can I help that person. 
So they don't always know their own feelings necessarily, but they know everybody else's feelings. And um, their motivation is that they want to have appreci- they want to be appreciated for that. So um, and they want to be wanted. So this can be good and bad. For example, I love my mother. My mother is a strong two, but she's the kind <laughs> that, like, when I had my friends over when I was little, she'd be like, hey, do you guys want some cookies? Do you want some popcorn? Do you want to? We'd be like, no, 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 we're good. And then five minutes later, she's there with all of the things. So she, they just want to feel that they want to, if there's a hole, if there's a need, they want to, they want to fix it. Twos are warm, they're caring, they're giving, and everyone loves to have a two as a friend. Um, they're, they're just wanting to meet the needs of the people around them. Something that a two may also do is they may avoid acknowledging their own needs. They mm-hmm. may be so busy with other people's needs and helping everyone else that they just put themselves on the back burner every single time. And that can be a real struggle for a two. So the threes, they're sometimes called performers. Sometimes they're called achievers. Um, If we were assigning numbers to countries, a lot of times America is considered a three Mm -hmm. number. Um, They can adapt immediately. They can walk in a room and adapt immediately to what people need them to be. So um, they can become anyone but themselves sometimes. They can lose touch with their real self because they're trying to be whatever they're needed to be at that time. They're great in a room. Um, they achieve great things. These are our people that... They get things done. They get things done. They set out, they see a goal, they set out to accomplish it, and they do it. And they are And there's awesome no stopping workers. them. Yep. And everybody loves the threes. They all know who the threes are. The threes <laughs> are the ones that are up on front, up, up on stage. They are producing. They are making things happen. Mm-hmm. They're motivated. They just are hard workers. They will work themselves into the ground. <laughs> and actually something that they may struggle with is that they may feel inside that if they don't achieve, if they don't succeed, then everything is worthless. They're worthless. And that if they have failed, then they they just have um, no reason to keep going. So that fear drives them to just keep working and succeeding and next goal achievement and check the box and be the charismatic person that is giving the answers and raising their hand first. They want to be in the room where it happens. Hamilton reference. (laughs) Just kidding. Okay. So fours are the romantics. They are the most complex, probably the most complex number. They're very hard to understand. They they want to be seen as unique. They are unique. So sometimes they have a hard time typing themselves because nobody is supposed to be like me. And nobody is exactly like anybody else. But... Um, they like being unique. They can get very melancholy, which is different than depression. They're not necessarily depressed. They're just melancholy. They like to sit in the sadness sometimes. It's comfortable. Um, they are the one number that can bear witness to pain without having to fix it. So if you're going through something sad, you need a two with you to, to take care of things around the house, but you also want a four with you that can just sit with you. They're very good at that. They are on an emotional roller coaster all 
the time. So that has to be exhausting. Um, they want to be seen and understood in their uniqueness. They um, they see in terms of of texture. They deal a lot in fantasy. There's a push pull thing with fours where they they get too they think you're too close. I don't know how to react to this. What if you leave me? So they push you away, and then they'll pull you back. Oh, no, 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 come back. So there's this kind of push-pull thing with them that we'll talk more about when we, when we get deeper into that one. A good way to describe this, though, is my daughter's a four, and there was a, there was a day one time when she um, wanted to go see this really sad, depressing movie, like super depressing, not a happy ending. And she's like, hey, Mom, do you want to go see this movie with me? And I was like, no, that looks super depressing because uh, I'm a seven, and when we get to sevens, you'll understand. I was like, no, that sounds depressing. So she went to see it and came back, and I was like, how was it? And she said, it was awesome. It was so sad. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> this is not a romantic comedy. I don't want to go see that. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of artists are fours. Yes. A lot of poets, songwriters, yes. uh, people that create things because they're so in touch with their feelings and they experience such big feelings. Um, they might actually experience their feelings at just how they see the world. It's like their their lens of their glasses is that color and they don't know that other people don't see the colors they see, but they see all of these colors and emotions and they're very sensitive, very creative and oftentimes fours may struggle with comparison mm-hmm. in a big way and may feel that they're always losing out when they compare themselves to others. This is something that a four may struggle with to just accept the beauty that they are and the strengths that they have. Okay, so five are the investigators or the observers. They are the one number that have true neutrality. They can be very neutral and work things in their head. Um, They sometimes can seem aloof or distant, but they aren't. They're just observing. They're taking everything in. They're trying to figure it out in their head. They're just very methodical in how they handle things. Relationships cost them a lot. So if you're in a relationship with a five, you have to understand that relationships are, they cost them something. So that's a big deal. Um, they want to fully understand things and go deep fast. They're going to be your researchers. They're going to figure things out for you. Um, their motivation is knowledge, gaining more knowledge. They just want to make sure they know things. They have a measured amount of energy throughout the day. So once that energy is gone, it's gone. So they kind of have to measure out their energy throughout the whole day. Whereas some numbers may feel, the types of people may feel energized by and after work, going to have dinner with friends, a five may feel like I have used all of my energy at like a gas tank analogy. I'm at the end of the gas tank to go out with these friends. I am just out of energy. Whereas they may plan ahead in their day and be very quiet, stay at their desk at lunch, not do much interaction so that they do save up and they go to dinner planning ahead. They're careful with how much energy they, they have and how they use it. So when a five is investing in their friendships, they're intentional. And mm-hmm. it's, it means a lot. Mm-hmm. It does. 
Okay, sixes are our loyalists. These are the people that will ride or die for you. They are they will be loyal to you till the end. So if you, this is hard for sixes because if they find out that you're not somebody to be loyal to, it's hard for them to break off because they are loyal to their people to a fault. Um, they are the fabric that holds communities together. They tend to overthink. They need to have an agenda and ask questions so they know their part. They're, they may sometimes walk into a room and know where all the exits are. They're, they've planned way ahead. They... Um, <laughs> They may always think of the worst case scenario just yes. in case. Because why not? Imagine all the way out to the very, very, very worst thing. What what could happen then and what could happen then? But in doing that, then they're actually brave because sixes still go forth. So the ones that are healthy sixes are actually extremely brave people. And even though they have in their mind a worst case scenario, they face the day. So sixes are... Loyal and brave and strong people. And their need is to be safe. Safe in relationships, safe in the room. They just need to make sure that everything is safe and that, like Robin said, they've thought through every worst-case scenario so that if it happens, they're prepared. And if uh, if you are listening to this and you're thinking, I kind of think that sounds like me, if one of your greatest needs ever, all, every day, is that security, to know you're secure whether that means that you have a place to sleep or food to eat or a job, whatever that security looks like for you or relationship, if the greatest thing that drives you is that security, that might be that you are six. Sevens. Yay for sevens. Party is in the room. (laughs) Sevens are the enthusiasts. So, yeah, they're kind of known as the party in the room. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're just going to be – they don't necessarily have to be partying all the – like – everybody look at me all the time they are the number they're the one number that refrain everything in real time so like if there's something happening that they don't like a memory they don't like they can tweak it just a little bit just turn it a little bit and then throw it out so sometimes they don't always remember things exactly how they happened because we sevens like to be in the happy halves where fours like to be in the melancholy sad half sevens like to be in the happy half so it's hard to kind of access some of those emotions that are hard and sad. Um, they have to be taught how to have a full range of feelings. So, And we're very much in our head. So um, I like to think things through without feeling it, which is funny that I'm a counselor. And some somebody one time was like, so how are you a counselor if you're seven? And I was like, I don't mind other people's feelings. I will deal with other people's feelings and their stuff all day long. But when it comes to my own feelings is when I'm like, oh, I don't really want to mess with that. So I just kind of move on. <laughs> and sevens are fun to be around. Sevens are spontaneous. They like adventure. They love to be happy. They love to plan a party. If there's not a party, let's plan one. I'll host it. So they're just always up for something fun, and they bring a lot of joy to the people in their lives. We love our sevens. That's right. Sevens are not very good with details, though. So, like, for example, when I worked at the sixth grade center, and we may talk about this more when we get to ones, but my cohort, Amy Simons, is a one, and we would talk about how I would have come up with all of these big grand ideas and I was like well if we do this and this and this and she would say you know what those are all great ideas but have you thought through this and here's this detail and I was like I don't even want to 
never mind. I don't want to go through all that. Because your one friend, she's one, and she's detail-oriented. Right. That's she why knew. we need all of the people. We do. We need all the numbers. Okay. So eights. Eights are our challengers. They're called the challenger. I have a child who's an eight, and I <laughs> love my eight. She is commanding. She is intense. And needs to be strong, and she is quite the entrepreneur. Yes. They don't do anything they are not passionate about, but they are passionate a lot. Um, they are known as bossy, but tender. They think quickly. They solve problems quickly. Um, they want to lead. They want to lead, and they want you to follow, and it's not personal. It's just they kind of know the direction that everybody should be going. So they're also, they've been compared to like a snowplow. Like everybody just get behind me and I will push forward where we need to go and take all the heat and you just keep moving with me. Here's a quote from General George S. Patton Jr., who was an eight. Lead me, follow me, or get out of my way. (laughs) There's an eight. (laughs) That's an eight, yes. And then we come to our nines. And hello, everybody. I'm Robin Wall. (laughs) I am a peacemaker. Yes. Yes. Nines are the peacekeepers, the mediators. They are able to see at least two sides to everything. So if you have some some argument, something's happening, you want a nine because they can see both sides of the issue. And nines can really identify with all the numbers. So if you have a really hard time figuring out what your number is, like I did. And you may see, well, I can see I can see parts of me that are a one. I can see four. I can see a seven. What, what am I? Am I a six? Am I a two? Be- I really felt like I could identify with so many of the traits of different numbers, strengths and weaknesses, and it took me a while to realize that my need, my driving motivator, which I have to <laughs> confess and get real with, is to avoid confrontation that makes me a nine. I want to avoid confrontation at all costs. And it's actually good for me to learn to stay in confrontation and handle it with peace and be okay and not just panic. But Well, and they nines have a hard time prioritizing. So they're considered doing dominant and doing repressed. And what that means is They're always doing things, but it may not be what needs to be done. They don't know how to prioritize which things should come first sometimes. Um, They're comfortable to be with. They're laid back. Um, They tend to merge with other people. And like Robin said, they do not like conflict unless it deals with their integrity. If you're going to question their integrity, then they're going to stand up for it because they're not – they don't just lay down and take whatever, They, but they – if it's something that they can merge and make everybody happy, they're going to. If you ask, where should we go for dinner? And they're the ones that say, I don't, I don't know. You pick. And they won't ever give you an answer. because they. A healthy nine can be a great person to be around. They can be unselfish and flexible and inclusive. But an unhealthy nine may be overly dependent on other people and kind of numb their own feelings out and just not be in touch with their own reactions and realities. So it may be hard for a nine to make decisions. And it may be hard for them to really accept when they are feeling sad or feeling mad or feeling upset, things like that. So there you have it, everyone. Those are the nine 
basic types of the Enneagram. Those are the numbers. So we, we're going to go a little bit deeper dive into those as we go on in this little series that we're doing. Um, a couple other things about Enneagram. Some people will say, well, I was a two when I was younger, but now I'm a seven. That's not how this works. You are one number your whole life. Um, that number can change. Your wings can change, which we'll talk about here in a second. But um, you are, you're just one number. And some people think, well, I think I'm a four and a six. Nope, you're one number. So, And even from a young age, from a very young mm-hmm. age, you've been that number. Whether you've ever realized it or not, we don't change that, that basic root of who we are. It's there from the youngest, you know, three, four, five years old. But it's not a good idea to try and type other people, because, especially little kids, because since this deals with what our inner motivations are and not behavior, they may be behaving in a way that you go, oh, they're such a, they're such a six. But maybe they're not. Maybe that's not what their motivations are. So wings are the numbers next to your number. So if you're a six, your wings are going to be five and seven. And a lot of uh, teachers will say that you have one wing in the first half of your life and you develop the second wing in the second half of your life. So I think from when I was younger, I'm a, since I'm a seven, when I was younger, I was a six. So I, and I'm developing my eight wing as I gotten older. If you think of it as your wing, wings are your secondary fears and desires. It's not your main motivator, but it's kind of a secondary. It kind of just comes underneath it, and if you have another motivation underneath it, you might look at that number next to your number. Um, There's another interesting thing about the way the Enneagram is set up, which, you know what, by the way, we haven't said this. This is not a new philosophy of understanding ourselves. This is actually an ancient philosophy. Yeah, it's been around for a very long time. I think even in the, I don't know, like the first century, isn't mm-hmm. it? There are findings of writings of monks that were using these tools. So this is something that has actually been like rediscovered since about the 70s. And the writings that have been written in the past 50 years have unearthed a lot more, but it's not brand new. This is actually a really long study, not a short new trendy thing. So uh, this one approach to looking at the Enneagram is to seeing what you are dealing with. What is a a deadly sin that your number deals with? And sometimes it's easier to type yourself when you know the things that you're weak in. Because sometimes we're more apt to find our own faults than we are to find our own strengths. So this is also a helpful way to figure out what number you are, to hear the list of what those deadly sins are. And um, I'm going to just, we can kind of go through a a high view of those today, not deeply, but the the views of these are, the ones deal mostly with a deadly sin of anger, twos mostly deal with the deadly sin of pride, Threes mostly deal with the deadly sin of deceit. Fours with envy. Fives with avarice, which means hoarding like their energy, their self-sustaining existence. Not not like money, but more of their own. Their own resources. Their own resources. Sixes deal with fear. Sevens deal with gluttony. 
not specifically with food. This is more about kind of gorging themselves with positive experiences. Yeah, like just want to have fun all the time, whatever the fun thing is. Mm-hmm. And then eights deal with the lust after intensity, the intensity of being domineering, the intensity of of, ca- of having victory. Um, nines deal with the sin of sloth, which is not really physically referring to that, but more spiritually. Are you awake to what God is doing in your own heart, awake to your own personal development and your own responsibility for becoming a healthy person? So these are the nine basic fears of what these types deal with. And there's also three stances. Each of these stances have three of the numbers in them. So, for example, three of the numbers are in the aggressive stance. This is another way to kind of figure out your number possibly is if you tend to be more aggressive, those numbers are three, sevens, and eights. Those are the number that tend to, they're just going to come at you more in your face. Not necessarily in a bad way. They're just more assertive, more aggressive. Three of the numbers are dependent, meaning they kind of merge a little bit. Like if you're okay, I'm okay. If you're sad, I'm sad. What do you need? Those numbers are ones, twos, and sixes. And then three of the numbers are withdrawing numbers. So I'm just going to fade out into the background when things get heavy or hard. I just don't want to be involved in this. And those would be fours, fives, and my nine friend who's raising her hand. (laughs) (laughs) So if that kind of helps you, too, to think about, like, when there's something going on, do I get assertive? Do I just kind of depend on whoever's there, or do I withdraw and just kind of fade away? There's also, it's three triads. So each of the numbers are either in the head triad, the heart triad, or the gut triad, meaning you think first with your feelings or with your thoughts or with your gut. So the heart triad is, are the twos, threes, and fours. So they're, they're in the feelings triad. And then five, sixes, and sevens are in the head triad. And eights, nines, and ones are in the gut triad. Each of these triads also have something kind of sort of like the deadly sin that they're dealing with. Um, the heart triad, two, threes, and fours, deal with, have more of a tendency to deal with shame. That's if so. If that's a struggle for you, that you might be thinking that you might be in that one of those numbers. The head people tend to deal in fear because since we're in our head so much and thinking, then we think up all these things that could happen, and we kind of get into the fear spiral. And then eights, nines, and ones are in the gut, and their thing is anger, and that looks different in each number. Like if you're an aggressive eight and you're angry. You're going to know it. You're gonna, you know when an 8 is angry. Whereas a 9, like me, if I am dealing with anger, I may not even recognize it in myself unless I'm doing some good work and really bringing my heart to the Lord and thinking through things. But I may be repressing that anger. I may be passively, aggressively acting in a way that is showing kind of a quiet simmering. And that's an anger that I may actually act out. But I may not even see it. Other people around me probably will. So 
Interesting. Yeah, nine's anger kind of squishes out the sides. And then one's anger goes inward. They have that inner critic voice that we talked about, and they get they kind of get into a blame thing. Here's one thing that I just am amazed by as we're talking about this. You know, everyone who's listening, we're all so different. We're all so different. And isn't it just fascinating to take a journey to really figure out yourself more? To understand why do you do the things you do? What makes you tick? And why do you respond to situations so differently than other people you do? If any of you have ever felt like you're so alone, like nobody gets me, I am so weird, something's wrong with me, you're not. You may be just however you are, um, your type on the Enneagram, once you take the step of figuring this out and going deep and reading and studying about it, it may help you unlock a lot of things and appreciate the way God made you in a way that's so much better than before. And you can serve him in such a free and open heart way better than you could have if you stay locked away and unappreciative of who you are. And even second guessing yourself. I'm just not as good as that person over there. They're doing so much better than I am. Whereas if you realize the way that you have been intricately woven together is just the way God intended. And it's really fascinating and beautiful. And I mean, I'm, I'm serious when I say this has kind of been life-changing for me as far as relationships, because me being a seven and my husband is a nine, I kind of understand more when he gets quiet or when he's having a hard time figuring out what thing needs to be done next. I get it more. I'm not so, I don't get frustrated about it anymore I'm like okay that's that's just where he is and he just needs me to help him out with that when I get super spinning in my own stuff or um let's jump around let's move let's do this then he just kind of goes with it with me so and even at work it's helpful to understand your people that you work with your boss your um co-workers your friends it's helpful so I mean, I just, I can't even describe, I had no idea that this was going to be such a thing. And it's kind of cool because there's really not a, a point you're going to reach where you're like, well, no, I know it all now. <laughs> I've learned it all. Because there's just so much to discover and there's so much to understand. It's just not something you're going to reach the end of. So it's just a neat beginning of a tool that can really sharpen your your own understanding of who you are and, and make your life better. <laughs> Just make your life better in your relationships and how you are with your own, who you are created to be. So next time we you hear from us, we are going to have three numbers that we're dealing with. It will be the twos, threes, and fours first. And Jill, why would we not start with number one? Why would well, we start with two, three, and fours? That's a good question. We are going to start with two, threes, and fours because we're going to deal in the triads. And so the first triad is the feelings. So all of those feelers, we're going to talk about you and um, how you handle things and what you are thinking when things happen. After that, we'll deal with five, six, and sevens, and then we'll get to our eights, eights, nines, and ones. So the next three episodes of Afraid Not, we're going to do these um, discussion-type conversations, and we hope that it is enlightening and fun for you, and that it begins a journey for you of understanding yourself more, 
And those of you that already know a lot about it, we really want to hear from you. Please message Absolutely. us. Let us know tips and helps that we can better even reach you and things that you want to pass along that you can tell us to include in the show notes, etc. You can get on our Facebook page or our Instagram page. Just tell us your number. That'd be great. Also, on our social media, if you need a kitten, I have six kittens in my house, in my garage right now. I need to get rid of, please. She has six kittens. I will give you a kitten. So, (laughs) that's a side note. We have a stray cat that had kittens in our garage, so, (laughs) yeah. Well, all of you that have listened to this episode, we're so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for listening, and we love being a part of your lives, and Jill and I just are very humbled and grateful to be speaking into you and hopefully bringing a blessing to you. So have a great day. Bye.